that's, that's an old podcast. I'm not talking about recruitment. <laughs> right, cheers. Yeah. Top three podcast, that one. Yeah, well, it wasn't there, was it? It was fourth. It was fourth. Oh, the next day, it was in number three. Oh, can we, can, we, can we start this podcast clip? Just put a clip on Matt's podcast, top three. Welcome to Thinking Deeply About Primary Education, the podcast that makes time and space to really think about pedagogy, teaching and learning, professional development, anything of interest to time poor of enthusiasm rich primary teachers. This week, I'm joined by Matt Swain. Oh, hi everyone, hello. <laughs> and together we're going to explore staffing. But first, Matt, what's you reading for? Hey, what you reading for? Uh, yeah, good question. I think I read quite a lot, quite often at the moment, generally sort of papers and blogs, I suppose, depending on what we're trying to write at the hub um, and, and, and design. But I think what, what's kind of fascinating at the moment, I suppose, I've gone a bit backwards and, and, and returned to Bjork and Bjork and like desirable difficulties. Maybe it's an instinct or an ego reaction to the prevalence of like quizzing, right? Like, um, and, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Right? I think like, you know, we've got retrieval quizzes left, right and centre and that's, you know. <laughs> But I remember reading, when I first read this, when there's papers on it and some of their articles, and I remember thinking there's more to it than this, right? There's more to kind of like increasing um, the, the quality of our memories, of our knowledge, than, than simply simply just remembering the thing you learned in, its, in, its, in, its, uh, in the essence in, which you, in the way in which you learned it, really. So I kind of returned to that, and I kind of read it again, read some of their articles again. And I'm just a bit more convinced about um, that, that, that we need to think a bit more about what retrieval looks like and I imagine there's you know there's plenty of people who have already said this but I'm, this is you know I don't get to read every book out there I just tend to just read articles and have a think and talk to my colleagues and and just time to sort of at least for at least within step and then within the schools I work in just sort of, sort of reframing what we understand by retrieval or, or, or I guess really desirable difficult like what's what's important or what's essential to to create like useful like knowledge like not just knowledge but useful knowledge and and when you sort of go back to Bjork and Bjork, and I might have misunderstood this, but when you go back to it, like what it, what it comes down to is it's, it's, it's about, you know, increasing both the retrieval and the story strength of that bit of information, right? Retrieving it alone um, will, will increase its retrieval strength. Like if I keep being asked, you know, the capital of Hungary, eventually I'll know the capital of Hungary, right? But, but that in and of itself isn't massively useful beyond answering a pub quiz question. And what you know, the other things I need to do with that knowledge as I retrieve it to make sure that it becomes useful, right? And, and to allow me to become more expert to develop my schema. And I guess you know what I'm thinking, you know, what I'm coming back to is kind of the, those concepts of like interleaving, which I'm always really excited about. And but and then what that looks like in the classroom, what that looks like in the school. Um, I mean, it looks like a SATS quiz, really, isn't it? SATS test, to be honest. Like, um, and then also this idea of, I guess. Uh, of variation in context, like varying the application of knowledge. And I think that's something I've always understood from mathematics. I imagine like yourself, like, you know, let's imagine we're teaching, I always give examples of math. So if I taught, for example, if I taught uh, something like so column multiplication, right? Two digits on one digit multiplication. And over time, they practice and they're good at it and they can perform it. And then over time, they, they were asked to answer question after question, retrieval quizzes and how to do that. Really useful, but, but, 
but that's that that would be its only utility, right? But it's got great far greater utility than that, hasn't it? And and you know, but if I then ask the people to answer the question, you know, I want to buy seventeen cat or seventeen tins of cat food for my cat at five pounds a tin or something, then would they be able to transfer that across, right? <laughs> They've got this algorithm. Is there like an easy transfer? And I don't think that's the case, is it? Right? I don't think that's, that's not, you, you have to kind of like, you develop the ability to transfer the more interconnected your knowledge is. And so I guess I've been thinking a lot about the importance of variation in context, right? And that, that to a degree, you can't just throw it in and not teach it. And so I've been thinking, particularly through a maths lens, but also, the, I guess, other subjects, chatting to my colleagues about, so what does that look like then? You know, how, how do you achieve that? How do you, you know, because if they haven't made that transfer before, you know, there's in early stages when you've taught them this algorithm and then you want them to apply to that problem or a problem or an area probably an area problem or something, then, then in the first instance, you need to hold the hand and show that they can apply it somewhere else. And over time, I guess, you, you, you do less than that. You just throw the problems at them. They start to, you know, uh, I guess make make that chance for themselves. So I'm kind of be fascinated by that. Really, I guess is where I am, and 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 kind of off in sort of tune with that. Like, is it's kind of like I've been looking. It seems to, it seems to sort of sit really well with like FRAP first sort of like really nice uh, model on like expertise. You know, she does a really nice sort of simplified graphic uh, and an explanation of sort of expertise, and it's that idea of like increased expertise and mastery coming from not just like the repetition of a single pathway, but repeated pathways to other pieces of knowledge. And so from all of this comes me kind of with my colleagues, like chatting about and maybe challenging like what our current setup is for like making pupils more expert with things we've taught. And, and then how we how can make that different and what what's it, what PD sits behind doing that, you know, because that's it's not as simple as going right, start, you know, creating up opportunities for transfer and, and variation in context without really explaining what that could look like and so that's kind of where I am I, I, it, it does vary quite a lot what I'm thinking about but that's something I've been thinking about lately and interestingly I was delivering um the ambition mental conference the other day for year two like so I worked the hub and part of that is facilitating all the um, ECT mental training which has been a really amazing experience this year actually and, and sat within that was kind of effort first model which is interesting I'll just read a bit about PD based on what I was talking about using that model uh, again looking at how you develop teacher expertise and, and talking about in year two with mentors and I really like this and, I, and I, I, you know it's one of those moments you think wow you know we're thinking the same thing this is cool you know I'm, I'm thinking the same as whichever brainiac ambition might thought of this but that you know in year two with, with mentors and ACTs there's a need to take that thing you practice in the first year with them like that classroom routine and bring in variation but then like in year two okay now you're gonna you're gonna practice it again but you're gonna throw in some variables but what if this happens but what if this happens but what if this happens and and, and I guess like you know that was kind of a pleasing moment and it, and it and it I guess it made me think like I'm on something here maybe like, or we the, the group I work with and the schools I work with maybe we're probably right to challenge at least what we do I reckon there's probably people who've gotten onto this years ago right but you know you live in an echo chamber especially in a big old trust uh, and although I'm spending a lot of time talking to you guys and and, and, and chatting on Twitter we'll be more listening these days so I'm so busy but um, that's where I am. So Bjork and Bjork, oh, it's old school. But I think it's it's worth revisiting because I think it's it's maybe not as simple as uh, as we we may have made it in some in in our curriculums. You know, like it it's just a quiz, it's just a pub quiz, and I don't is that really developing the sort of knowledge we want our pupils to develop? So I'm going to re recommend something 
that I mentioned before, um, Ollie Lovell's book, uh, Tools for Teachers, but in particular, the chapter on instruction, it's, you know, it's so clear and pound for pound value in terms of how he articulates his approach, the approach that he sort of learned from other people and how he sort of demonstrates that, you know, I think he's got some pretty, you know, useful flow diagrams. Um, I think hopefully that's the right word, but yeah, in particular, I think people, people should definitely read the book in general. But in particular, that chapter is um, it's operating. He's operating I'll, I'll pick level. it up because I think I think I read his. I bought his. I buy a lot of books. A lot of them don't get read because I just don't have time. Tend to, I'm a, a bit of a sort of article man. <laughs> we'll read the abstract of that's a bit of research. Uh, but but like I, th I think I read his. Was it one of those? Was it the inaction series? Maybe did one uh, CLT. Yeah. Uh, and it was really good. I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great little little read. Uh, sort of hit all the right notes. I found it super useful actually. I think it. You know, carries some really strong exemplification. He's a good writer, actually, isn't he? he he's yeah. he does that great thing that, like, I guess, all good educational thinkers kind of like do is that is that they take something complex and make it you know simple and digestible. Well, I guess you know, what? well, just something that all good teachers do is take <laughs> complex things and make them simple, right? Uh, and I, I so I definitely look to pick that up because I think I thought he's a that one on the CR, the Comte Lofi one was great. It was really good, really clear, really succinct, and, and it sort of hits only beats. So I thought it was super useful for me and my colleagues. I think we definitely delve into it, sort of delved into it when we were writing PD around those areas, you know. So yeah, good stuff. That sounds good. I'll pick that up. So the focus of this episode is staffing. My first question, Matt, you know, maybe a little less formal than the, the interviews we've done in the past. Is is staffing a big deal? Yes, that's a great leading question. There. So just I'll uh, just to frame me being here and talking about staffing. It's probably useful for this. So uh, and like who I am and, and and I guess also who I've spoken to before I did this interview, right? So so if you haven't listened to, I've been on the pod a couple of times. So it's, it seems like I was like a founding father, like a silent partner, really. It's in the background. <laughs> you, you like do it every week, but um, but yeah. And so I'm currently. Uh, Director of the deputy director, sorry, of the Step Ahead Teaching Hub. So we're one of those big hubs that trains all the teachers now, kind of like, and we're a bit like some sort of um, medieval sort of, yeah, you know, sort of kingdom like set up in the south of England. We've got a huge reach, uh, and but uh, interesting. I'm leaving this role this now. So I've, I've been in there for this year uh, when we became the hub, and I've helped roll out the new CT program, the UFQs, and 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 when the AB. But next year I'm moving, I guess, back towards like schools because that's kind of where my heart is really. But I've also worked in Step Trust for a long time and uh, with lots of leaders um, improving a lot of schools. And uh, and, uh, and before that, I was deputy head and, and I've worked in a uh, senior in a couple of other schools. But I'm involved in recruitment loads. So, you know, um, I'm very, very fortunate, really fortunate to work in a really, quite a really good trust, right? And I'm also a trust that recruits and retains the very best staff. That We've got a really, really high retention rate. Uh, and we're, you know, and I'm, it's a really good trust like you know there's a lot of smart people in my trust and we do some decent stuff in schools um I mean, you've had charlotte on you've had tom gary on you've had a few of our guys neil alma's on you know with us now um but we've got you know a you know we've got a really good track record of of recruiting great people or uh making them even better like i guess to to cpd and everything else and not losing them and if you're a trust uh, or part of a trust is that, that you know that allows you to grow that's really important because when you grow you know, as a trust often you'll take you'll work with schools that are 
may be like lacking capacity. You know, if the school's in trouble, people often quite rightly, because that's a really tough place to be, people often just you know, will go somewhere else, you know, and so the school can often be lacking capacity. And so you have to bring that with you. And so you can only really do that if you've got it, right? So, so I'm really fortunate. And so I've been part of like lots and lots of interviews uh, over the years. I'm, you know, I work across so eight schools currently in uh, Sussex, but I work with some amazing leaders, like some really amazing heads. Um, you know, special shout out to like Jeremy Meek um, and Dee Hughes um and zoe the three heads i've spoken to ahead of this interview just so make sure I sort of dot my eyes and cross my t's like you know i've been um and those guys are all great great so great this point those guys are all absolutely brilliant at recruiting and retaining staff and, and getting the very best of staff um and between them we've got a, a quite silly amount of outstanding leadership i mean and three or four we've got under the new offset so we have not had outstanding leadership for a long time um oh that's any other categories but i think that's the one that's important in this discussion so um, so that's why kind of why I'm here. That I've, I've experienced of it. I, yeah, I was part of those leadership teams, but I'm also I'm also fortunate enough to have the time to have had the time to work with great leaders and also have have had their input prior to this interview. I was like, do I know enough? Might this be useful? I know quite a lot, but those guys know more. So they've all given me a bit of time ahead of this today. And so going back to your question, uh, yeah, it's massive in it, right? So schools. Um, you know, live or die by the staffing, staffing them, don't they? Okay, so that, that your, your success as a school, your success in educating pupils and improving outcomes is completely dependent on the people in your building. Okay, completely dependent on having like the right people on the bus in the right seats on the bus. That's it's 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 essential. And so whether you you know and and so if you're a head teacher, like your career depends on it, doesn't it? Right, if you want to look at it that way. Um, if you think about like the finances of the school well over two-thirds quite a lot over two-thirds of most school budget goes on staffing you know, it's, it's, it's easy the single biggest outlay for the school uh, it's your biggest investment in teaching and learning your biggest investing curriculum it's your biggest use of pupil money you know uh, and because it's the thing that improves quality of education it's the thing that improves behavior it's the thing that improves personal social and emotional and it's the thing that improves leadership right? it's the thing that's going to make your school great or, or good and so like it's it's massive, but I've been in schools where it's been a real problem and really challenging and whether it's been, you know, it's been hard to recruit or it's been hard to retain. For something that's so important, that's really difficult, isn't it? And I think coming into this, uh, you know, I felt reasonably qualified to talk on this because where we're working currently, like the south of England, south coast, is quite a challenging place to recruit just by definition. So, you know, I worked in London as a head, we have lots of schools in London, um, but, there's a yeah just to see geography of it isn't it so we've got our backs to this we've got our backs to the sea haven't we so you you're automatically like recruiting from half the size of the pool everybody else is recruiting from the density of the population is far far sort of like loose around here so it's a hard job to recruit yet you know i've been i've seen the best recruitment and retention i've ever seen down here and i've worked in southwark and wandsworth and surrey and you know in lots of other areas where yeah, but yeah, you know, sort of the metrics would suggest it could be it should be a little easier, right? But that's where I found the difficulty. So, yeah, it's huge. I think staffing your school and staffing it well and developing those staff and retaining those staff is essential, isn't it? Not just for like short term school improvement, but for the yeah, for long term school improvement uh, and and for the, the outcomes of the pupils you serve. So, so I think it's a really good thing to talk about. So yeah, so yes, really important. I'll, I'll sort of explain kind of why in a minute. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I'm totally with you. you know, I mean, my role exists because my head teachers decided they wanted to invest in their teachers and they thought that the best way to support our pupils in sort of raising their ambitions and their their outcomes was through having more proficient staff um, and you know so i'm 100 i think it is a big deal and like you say making sure you keep them and um, the good ones you know is, is, is particularly important i'm just being mindful on this one I, yeah i i know that at the moment i'm speaking from the from the place of working with, you know running apart from my own teaching and team of like 12 people you know to, to do something sort of much bigger in a trust that, like, that you can't achieve in a one for much school i was a deputy in a one for much school I, I was out of class a day and a half a week right that's the reality of one for much schools in the sticks um so what i'm trying to bring today to this conversation isn't like how maths big maths do it you know we've got our own pgc we just need to train our own teachers yeah. you know, we, we we solve the it problem by just training ourselves you know for us anyway but but what i'm trying hopefully all the stuff we talk about today is kind of relevant to everybody and i have got that perspective i have worked in those small schools as well um and uh you know in cities and in urban areas so hopefully kind of everything i share that i've taken from my experiences and experiences of, of very successful others i work with um it, it is useful kind of to everybody right like it's not like because i'm in a superman and, and and of course we can recruit we pay loads of money and us we don't actually <laughs> pay enough money but but yeah hopefully it's all kind of relevant yeah i think it will be so we we've established okay we think it's important we're pretty sure it's important how can we make sure we get staffing right right so there's a big answer this one i think right there's <laughs> quite a big answer this one. So, so i got a lot of input on this one and it begins with the leaders really understanding what they have in their school, what the strengths are in their school, what the weaknesses are in their school, or their development on the school, probably a better way of putting it. Uh, and that takes leaders being like, you know, having conversations with staff, being visible, you know, walking the school, paying attention to the curriculum. All those things are super important, aren't they? Now it's not, that's, you know, it's not a leader's job to write the curriculum for school, a head teacher. They're not gonna have the time for anyone that's been in senior leadership. No, there isn't time to do all that. You, you, find people you, you find you know more expert people that have and create them the time but you do need to be in tune with your school you know and i think recruitment starts going wrong when you don't really know what you're recruiting for or or you don't know what you've also got the capacity to recruit for because that's another question isn't it so like, i've got a sense of my profile does that profile like mean that i've got the capacity to bring in like a really promising new teacher who's clearly got potential but I've, you know, but but I've, but I've, they need mentoring, okay? Either as an ECT, but or just over time they need mentoring. They need a, a year or so of PD or an, an MPQ to get them to where I want them. Or do I not have that? Uh, do I not have that capacity in my school? And what I need to do is buy in. I just need something, you know, off the peg experience. I need to pay a bit more, probably. Yeah, usually is the case. But I need that experience off the peg in my school now. And all those kind of things are really important. I think. You know when recruitment's done really well you kind of know exactly what you're looking for you know the, exactly the gap you're trying to fill you know and, and the better you understand that the better every other phase of recruitment is going to go so from your advert to your shortlisting to the interviews and whatever themselves and to and, and, and everything beyond that and all the things that keep them at keeping your school so i guess to be a long answer this one so i think you start with like knowing your school right and that's not a given. It's not a given that people really understand the, you know, the quality of teaching in their classrooms or that the areas of expertise that the teachers have and where they we don't have expertise. And it may be that, you know, they don't have expertise, but they, they can 
they can find that another way, like some, through some like yourself. I mean, you'd be very lucky if you get Kieran McAlean to your school, but like, you know, but you get the idea. And so I think you kind of start there. That's the general feedback was like, you've got to know your school really well to know what you're, you're trying to, the gaps you're trying to recruit into and whether you have a capacity to do that. And interestingly, on a side note, we spent this year as the appropriate body for East Sussex, Brighton and Hove, right? Basically, what you do, that, that's the, like, the assessment arm, like the, the moderation arm of, of induction. And actually, it's been really interesting this year to find there are a few ECTs. Some schools have really struggled with taking ECT because they haven't questioned and checked if they have that capacity. You know, can they get those mentors out? There's a, there's a real, you know, ask now for getting ECT out. It's an investment of an hour. You've got to find an hour a week release that, that mentor in year one and, you know, half that in year two. Uh, and, and actually some schools haven't done that, haven't had maybe spent the time they should have, right, it, doing that due diligence and, or, or making sure their staffing structure currently can cope with an ECT. And I think you can figure people this year a little because it was new. But I would, that, I mean, I, you know, I think, but what that has led to is some really unhappy ECTs. Not many. We've been really fortunate across the whole of these systems of Brighton Hope. But there have been a, definitely a few, uh, few examples this year across the year where, where it's been more challenging schools because actually they didn't quite have capacity to, to do what's required. These, you know, And so I think that's, that's really important because if that goes wrong, if you take somebody on that's you know, promising but you can't give the support you, you, they need, then they're likely to go a year later, aren't they, you know, or find somewhere else. So I guess it... Um, it kind of starts with that. And I think the best thing, the best advice I've heard is from Jeremy Meek, who is, is executive head of quite a lot of schools down here and an incredibly successful head. You know, I think uh, Lloyd's met him, Lloyd's spent a lot of time talking to him and he's just a ridiculously good executive head, right? Uh, and he said really early on when I came to work with him in step, like you, like you recruit, like your career depends on it. And, and I didn't really know what that meant, right? I was like, okay, well, that just seems to be a smart thing to say, but he does. It, recruitment is the priority like staffing is so important that you have to go over and above to create time for that process should you need to you know fill a gap in your school should you want to, to develop that school and my experience of recruitment was seeing an advert out about april may whenever it was or, you know sort of june time see who comes in and you go with what comes in, you know comes into the inbox where it may be i've never it couldn't be further away from what he and, and, and I guess the head teachers around here do. It's a full on like mission, but what they get is like the biggest pool of teachers in the hardest place to get teachers. And I'll talk about some of the things they do in a bit, but I think like that's a real, real takeaway for me. It, recruitment, your career does kind of depend on it, right? And, and, and treat it as, as being as important as it is. And that's about prioritizing. And as a head um, or as a deputy head or anyone, a leader in a school, your, your whole life is prioritizing, but it's being sure that when that time comes around, that you really do put the time into doing it really well. Is that kind of making sense? Yeah, I mean, I'm with, I'm with you. And I think, you know, knowing how successful you guys have been, you know, like you said, I've spoken to quite a few people who have started as teachers within your Academy Trust and then sort of risen, you know, over time, you know, you can see that investment you know, because you are so many years down the line, you know, we're, we're fortunate we can see, well, this is, this is where teachers end up if they're, you know, if you pay the, pay attention when you're recruiting. It's, it's a big old process, isn't it? So understand that process. So you, I guess you, you start with, so you know, you're, you know what gaps you've got, okay? And then it's, then it's kind of like about, you know, um, so the next thing is like your advert, isn't it? So you've got, you, 
you, you've got to get the advert right. Okay, and that's that's that in itself isn't just you you know lots of, you know most people just churn out the same old stuff every year. But you're recruiting for a particular post, aren't you? Right? Are you looking for a particular skill set possibly? Or you might be looking to do it broader. But spend time on that advert. You want to recruit from the biggest pool possible. Yeah, but so many things, so many small things can and reduce the size of that pool. So you know, just and things we look at, and this is probably a bit anal really, but I think maybe makes a difference. You write the copy out for for your job advert, and you and you you be aware that you're selling the school or the organisation as much as you are, like you know, um, giving details of the job, like so it's getting that balance. But also, you know, we always run any advert through kind of like I think some weird sort of gender bias software. Because because just your own copy alone can can carry some like unconscious gender bias, right? The advert themselves that's that's a starting point because the first thing that's going to get their attention. Make sure it's not eliminating people in the first place by not having the detail that you wanted, you know, not not bringing bringing the right eyes to the advert, or just by the sort of like the you know the that unconscious bias in the in, in the pronouns or or, or the, the language you use use in there that's just you know without you knowing it pushing six or seven really good candidates away. So you kind of go, so advert, like nail the advert, right? Sitting within this is like, be timely, get in early, be willing to go more than once on advert. We recruit like, we run three, three recruitments for like ECTs. Now we always need ECTs every year because we've got like eight schools, right? So, uh, and so you go early, go early and, and then go again if you need to, you know, that sort of, if you think about the, the cost of recruiting again the following year or pulling in supply, or being left with just one person, you have to take them, and they may be not quite the right candidate, and they're very expensive. Like it's worth spending a little bit of money on recruitment to get the right candidate, and, and timing is really important there. So, like you know, be ahead of your competitors. Not be so far ahead; it's not realistic. But you can start looking for ECTs like you know early in the year, much earlier than when, when they would necessarily like you'd normally look for other posts. And when we say timing as well, like when you're going to drop the adverts, create realistic time for you to then engage with the responses so jeremy would say and i think i could agree with him, you should you should speak to every single candidate that shows interest before they even get to my application speak to them you know to, to, uh, and tell them let them you know get their buy-in to what you do your your approach and and, and what you offer and and what you're about um and, and whilst learning about them like you he said you really you should you know you really want to avoid and having anyone come to get into come to the get getting past shortlist and you haven't actually met or spoken to that's not always perfect but if you if you create the time for this process beyond putting out foot out and having a shortlist and down a friday for half a day with the rest of silt and saying actually this process requires this 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 and this then you can do those things and he i mean I, you know he and the heads that i work with around here and those in london do these things they create all the time necessary to speak to and to secure like the right people applying for the post and then we like it's i mean it's pretty, pretty anal stuff this I mean, this might be quite niche right but recruitment is an interesting area so so you, you make sure your adverts are kind of like that they're that they're, they're, they're you know that they're solid and that they are they're not they're not suggesting you're looking for a particular type of person uh or, you know or particular gender whatever it might be but they they they're, they're sort of targeted and then you're sort of timely and then you're talking to them and you're making sure that you're always trying to like tell them what you're doing but also learn about them showing an interest in them and then it's kind of like like your recruitment panel get a decent recruitment panel like get some expertise in that panel if you're looking for um an SEND you know support TA you need the right people in that room to be able to sort of like sift through their experience see what that means 
you know, have a really robust and appropriate panel for shortlisting, not just the head and the deputy, whatever it might be. That doesn't mean, you know, that's hard in a small school, but you can bring it, we'll talk about this later, you can bring in expertise from other schools and other areas to sit on these panels. Nobody minds, and there's a real benefit in doing that. We'll talk about that a little bit later, maybe, but you know, having a really strong recruitment panel. One thing we started to look at this year in the trust actually listening last year, uh, um, and actually we did some training on this the other day uh, for ECTs, interestingly. Um, we really sort of found inter interested in like, like unconscious bias, right? Uh, uh, and how that may, and we know it exists, right? So we know unconscious bias is a thing, and, and if I had time, we talked about you know, various sort of like research around it and, and, and the fact that it's you know, incredibly impactful. We know that it, one of the biggest arguments against teacher assessment is that, is that time and time again, we've, we've shown as a, uh, as a group of people to have unconscious, to, to exhibit unco unconscious bias on assessments against like gender and SEND and, and all these sort of like demographics, right? So that's going to be there. If that's, much, if that's there in assessment, it's there in everything, isn't it? And so we've spent a bit of time slash year or so as a trust really trying to unpick what it is uh, and understand what it is and, uh, and maybe trying to mitigate a bit harder against it uh, in, in all areas of trust. Because one thing you want in a trust is, we talk about this like massive, or any school, getting the best pool of candidates, you don't exclude anybody. And you don't exclude anybody due to some unconscious bias you haven't tapped into. You know, so we spent a, quite a lot of time researching, working with some experts beyond the trust uh, actually, we know actually quite conveniently around that area and kind of educating ourselves a bit. You know, have you, have you heard about the social graces model? Like, it's, it basically, it's, you know, it looks at all the different things that kind of make you you, and then as a result, will will uh, cr may create unconscious bias biases within you. Uh, and and I guess the better you tap into that, like you, you know, where you the geography you come from, your religion, X Y, you know, the media you consume, and so on and so forth. Then the better chance you are have at least of, of being aware of that when you're looking at like you know uh, sort of interview packs you know and where, where you may just you know just where somebody's from may be a reason you don't know that you've put them in the wrong pile do you know what i mean or maybe they've gone from maybe to a no and so that sounds like sort of like edge of you know sort of I don't know, maybe it sounds a bit unnecessary, but but I can't think it is something. I think unconscious bias is a real thing. We know it's a real thing, and it, it and it unconsciously must impact every sort of aspect of what we do, including kind of shortlisting. So <clears throat> we spent a bit of time as a trust, like as a trust now, like really sort of engaging with this uh, and thinking about it and, and starting to educate ourselves around it, I guess. And I think that's maybe a bit, uh, I don't know, I think it's really important, but I know, that's, that's, that's something. So that, so I guess well, at this point you've got like, okay, so we've got the best pool of people in and we've got the best plan to look at the, the candidates and we're making sure we're selecting them for the very best reasons, right? Well, everyone in there has got, yeah, we're, we're getting the, the best people now to the interview itself. So that's kind of got, yeah, I'm still on recruitment basically, but that's, but this is where it is, right? This is the process, right? And it's a really serious thing. And I think if it comes back to, if you want to be successful as a school, recruit really great people, train them and retain them. Uh, and, and, and so, and then really once, once we're in, I'm not going to go into interviews. Not, I think that's, people have got their own opinions on how you do that. And I don't think it's the exact way, you know, but I think um, it is really important. Like once they are in place that you, you've got the uh, conditions to keep them. If you can spend all that time and all that energy getting this, this ideal candidate in the slot you want them to be in, then 
you need you need to have the right conditions at school to make sure they don't leave like a year later, right? And those conditions are reasonably obvious, I think. So, but 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 interesting talking to some of the, the some of my colleagues, like the, the head teachers I had that I spoke to before this interview. There's some really interesting sort of gems to think about here. So obviously, you know that you need to show you need to manage behaviour. You need to show, you need to show them that, let them teach. So first of all, you've got to have a grip on behaviour. Now you may not have a complete grip on it, but you've got to show you own it. You've got to let them, if they are teachers or TAs, do their job. Okay. Now, part of that is to manage behavior through their expectations and through their routines and through their positive relationships, but it's also yours as a leader. And you've got to you know, give them the space to, to do the thing you've employed them to do, right? And then you've got to like invest in them. You've got to, and then Jeremy, I was a dude speaking about this, I can't remember now, but spoke on, you know, it's about very early on taking time to to help them find their career pathway from almost day one. Right, it's very easy, like as a, in a bigger school, particularly to have blind spots with staff, to spend more time talking to some staff than others, and some staff you barely ever speak to. But you need to take time to have just a short meeting every half term, to check in with them, talk about what they want to do, get like guests, and start with them to create that career pathway for them. You know, whether it's like, as a TA and, and through MVQs and maybe onto, you know, onto a graduate scheme, whether it's uh, with your ECT looking forward to MPQs, whether it's somebody around a master's, whatever it might be, but pay attention. It, we're not we're no different to like kids, are we, right? Like we want to feel that we, we have status in the group that we work in, that we matter, that we, that we are of, of value to our employers. Okay, I think every teacher knows that. We all really care about what people think about how well we're doing our job. I've been in schools where, and I would be very, very much guilty of there being staff that's I've never spoken to as a leader, like or rarely. The best leaders do. The very best leaders, like they attend to everybody. They spread recognition, and they take time deliberately, like consciously, know that every term they're going to have a ten-minute, fifteen-minute check-in with each member of staff to see how they're doing, but also to see where they want to go. So that, and then, you know, that person's like valued, aren't they? And actually they think, oh, you know, this person's going to help me get better. And if I get better, I'll help the school get better. And then we come back to this idea of like knowing your staffing profile and having those conversations really helps with that. This attention is really key. It, we talk about it in classrooms. It's very easy to like lose the gray middle in a classroom. You know, sort of the you've got those those slow graspers, any one lesson, the rapid graspers, and you cannot attend to some of the people in the middle. And and often, you know, you, that may be the same in a school. The loud staff, the staff that have, you know, uh, and all those staff that are, are close to you in authority, the ones you talk to, and there's a whole group of staff you don't. And I think a really good tip here would be is to is to make sure you don't have those blind spots, right? So like behaviour, crafting like their career pathway with them, like be attend to them, and then. You know, be aware of the options out there. The options are great now. Like this is an this is like a golden era of PD for like uh, whether you're whatever stage your career at career you're at. I mean, like yeah, you know, I'm not trying to sell anyone stuff here, but the MPQs are good. Like those middle issue ones, not the middle issue ones that have gone. The new specialist ones are great. There's no hassle either for school. It's like one day conference and a, and a bit of twilight. It's no real cost. There's no reason not to put people on those. You know, tune into what people are doing and and help them like follow that pathway like a really nice example of this is in hawks farm uh i'll give you the first names annabelle sarah and olivia with three ects that joined us four no, four years ago annabelle is now like 
just about to become assistant head. Uh, Olivia is now the trainer Senko, and Sarah now works for me in TNL. You know that, and, and these are where they should have always worked. But that was a tension from day one as to where they were going. Their training between when they joined to where they are now has been taking them down those pathways, and that's because someone paid attention, really. And 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 that stuff matters, doesn't it? Like, yeah, if you're in if you're in a school that people care about your how it's going and, and your well being and stuff, and so yeah, I, I guess it's like put high quality CPD in if you can do it yourself, and we we try and do that. If you can't, there's lots of it out there now, loads of it, right? You know, one of our big successes as a trust is workload. You know, we have thinned that stuff out. Like, you know, you know me, I'll argue that marketing class has some value in maths, and so they do it, but it's in the, in the lesson, right? But wherever it's not unnecessary, it goes. You know, we, we, you know, we're just looking at like a shared PPA model across eight schools, because I think that's like a really efficient way of planning. We'll see, because and it absolutely reduces workload. And so, so you know, think about those three key areas that we know are the three reasons people leave the profession, right? And, and they might feel as limitations, right, you're in a one form entry school, but there's loads of opportunities now to do stuff beyond your own school, but remain in your school. You know, there's an opportunity to work with other schools, to work with hubs, there's, work, there's, there's a lot more collaboration within the sector than there's been for a long time, I feel. Maybe that's not your experience, but I just think there's a lot more than there used to be. And, and you can seek that stuff out because that, that is a challenge in one form entry. There's only, there's only like, you know, so many places to go in there, but but you can, you know, you, you, there can be other opportunities you can give people. I'm sitting listening, Matt, and I could listen to it all night because what you're saying makes so much sense. Like you say, th the three big ticket items, behaviour, actually paying attention to people and what they want for the future mm -hmm. and workload. You know, if you sort those, you'd be hard-pressed to find a reason not to stay in a school. I mean, you know, you weren't kidding when you said it would be a big answer. So I reckon of the three that we've got, we're going to choose one and then we'll come back to this another time. Yeah, right? yeah. Pick, so, so I'll pick one. Yeah. Then, well, I think I'm, I'm really interested to know, you know, the advert, I can totally see where you're coming from because some adverts I will just not look at because of how the words yeah, they yeah. use. Yeah. How else do we get people in the door? Like you say, in a one entry, one form entry school. Yeah. So this is really interesting. So I've because because that's where we are down here. So we're the the, the schools that we that, that joined Step initially down in East Sussex were schools that were it's a boring, it's certainly beating a drum. Just it's context, right? They're special measures. <laughs> oh, they they were just which which makes them undesirable places to work for many people because it's hard, right? It's not because you like you know you, it, it's just hard. Why why do it? Why stay there? Why join a school that measures? That's a tough place to be. Everyone knows that. We've all done it. So it's undesirable from the word go. We're there on the coast where it's even less desirable because there's even less, there's just a smaller pool to, to, to pull from. And the money's better in London, you know. Um, and so how do you do it? So, and, and I guess some of the things we talked about earlier, like create time, put your energy into it, put your time into it, make it really important. And I asked Jeremy, I said like, okay, and Zoe and, and, and Dees, we have our sort of most senior heads and executive heads. And like, what other things can you do? And actually, what have you done? And some really good stuff came out of this. So Jeremy said, you know, he said, like, you know, lots of things. Just think outside the box. Right? First of all, like, where else are you going to find stuff? So first of all, work with agencies. They may charge a, the fee. That may seem exorbitant at 10% of whatever it is of their annual salary. 
but the cost of staff turnover is higher. The cost of recruitment itself is high. You know, it's about balancing those, those the long-term savings over the sh and long-term gains over the kind of like a short-term cost. Like, don't be adverse to that. These guys, it's their job. Uh, they scour like you know they they, they, they headhunt, they scour LinkedIn they, on a, on a full-time basis. They look for people to fill you know for fill roles in schools they know exist. Sarah that I spoke on earlier, who's now like the queen of curriculum in Sussex, right? A real, one of the like, bright new faces and stuff, I guess, at the moment, um, came from an agency. She's from America. <laughs> She's from, she came from an agency that dealt with like teaching in America. She's phenomenal that she came from an agency. Other sort of really good tips and that aren't very particularly difficult is get yourself, you'll have a local university, like get yourself on the PC panel, on the shortlist panel. Like these things are perfectly easy to do perfectly possible to do and then you're starting to like, you'll know who's coming in and then who's leaving don't you you, you then becoming connected that next wave of like of ECTs you've got those relationships with the university itself I know Jeremy and I think Alan and, and two or three that down here do just that to sit on the you get to sit on the on the the panels we spoke earlier about having like a really robust shortlist panel so it's really useful for them to have like a, an executive primary head or primary head in those because it brings another perspective so everyone's winning, but it's also then giving you like, you get a sense of what's coming through and what's out there. And you've got a relationship with those, those ECTs and, and, and maybe appearing at those you know, sort of recruitment open days that you may not have otherwise. And then, and where, and Jeremy's saying like, when you find it really difficult, like there'll be schools near you that don't. So ask to sit on their panels and, and, and ask to speak to the, some of the, they'll have candidates to apply that maybe aren't suitable for them. But the, the not 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 good enough, just not suitable, right? So it's about the role being right. But but then you can then maybe you've got an in there to speak to them. Yeah, you know, agencies, panels seem to be a real you know people do it well. University being obvious one, but really schools that do a good job of it locally will have a really good panel. Get in on those panels, build relationships. You know that's definitely something that's out there, and school and you know that everyone everyone benefits from those sorts of things. And then I think he you know it's it's about like building like a really sort of like unique like R&R package. So recruitment retention package, right? So, and that's not about golden handshakes and stuff, but just make like, create something that's unique about joining you. Okay, so in our, they, they join our trust, I think. It's, they get free breakfast, they get free lunch. Actually, that's something you should sell to people. That's a massive saving, right? They get like a subscription to Perkbox, which is basically like every other one of those sort of discount apps you get but it's something isn't it right they get and then obviously you bring in the pd they get and the fact they'll get like you know we'll, in, in, we'll, we'll fully fund their masters or whatever it might be right but but create like a unique package like a package that's going to make them want to stay make them join you and makes you stand out and that's not beyond the that's not beyond the, like a local primary just to think about what they can offer that, that some little like some you know some little sort of like perks that make it unique to worth working there you're you're competing, aren't you, in a busy marketplace and, and, and schools struggling that you know they're struggling against places that are on on, on may, may be like just more attractive financially or for other reasons to work. And so you've got to kind of like create as many opportunities as you can and look in sort of places you maybe wouldn't always look. Uh, and then really think about what makes coming to you and staying with you like special and what what can you offer now don't break the bank honey. like don't you know, don't give silly golden handshakes no one's saying that but they 
but you can make small differences with like just a few little things. I think that was um, that 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 was me. That was really interesting to me because I know that's something we do. I know that like, I've got a subscription to this Perkbox app, right? And people get it gives you like a free coffee, right, every week uh, from Greg's or something. No, free Nero and a Greg's sausage roll every week. People like everyone loves that stuff. Everyone loves a free sausage roll. I can't think that was a big deal to get get that sorted out for the school. But um, but yeah, there you go. Perkbox, no, <laughs> like but the little things. Like, I think that's the three. Um, it you can't just give up, basically, can you? You can't just say, well, it's really hard here because. Uh, and so we just can't recruit here. And I've been in, I've been in a school that said that, and I believe that for a long time. And, I, and I've just watched people not do, not have that problem or appear not to because they've just gone going back to that very first statement. They've just prioritised it and made it the number one priority and thought about all the over time they've learned this. Of course, like it's not like they did all at once. Over time they've thought about something about every aspect of that process. Um, so hopefully that's kind of makes sense. It does and. You know, you set up your stall at the start saying you wanted something that could support people regardless of context. And I think that's what you've achieved because, you know, there are things that are both actionable, but also speak to general principles that are important for leaders, you know, particularly inexperienced leaders who are at the very start of that journey and are going to then make those mistakes over the next, you know, number of years. You know, so I think you're, you're almost giving those teachers a, a head start. And I think we should revisit this in the summer mat and sort of explore how your sort of career and your opinions have changed over time and then things that we seek to avoid and i think then that'll round off this conversation really yeah well. definitely i think I'll, I'll try and get some of the yeah you know, i said it, obviously we talked about coming this one last week and i you know, i'll try to get jeremy and a few of the guys involved because they're so wise you know i i know this stuff pretty well i'm involved i'm involved with the panels and stuff so yeah you know, I, I live and breathe this with them but 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 the real wisdom's coming from them and, and i just have to make this really clear that, that some of this is from me uh, but a large part of this interview uh, and the knowledge i'm sharing it is has come from years of experience as really successful heads and and, and I think it's important to say that like these guys have, you know, have secured outstanding time and time again for leadership. I mean, we've just had it Burfield like a few weeks ago, like, you know, that uh, one of our schools, whatever framework you throw, they're getting it because their staff are super happy, right? And they're delivering these really good teaching and a really strong curriculum because the base are kind of covered as best they can be. Um, and they speak to, you know, people come and speak to ECTs and speak to experienced leaders and whoever else. and 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 they're really happy with where they're happy with where they work, you know, they're happy with where their career's going and stuff. And and all these things aren't about money. All the things I've said aren't about money. MPQs don't cost anything like these days, not huge amounts. They really don't. I know, I know because I'm delivering them. They're almost being given away at the moment anyway. You know, lots of these things are, are not about money, they're about prioritizing. They're about spending time on the process. And if um, where I see people who are have proven to be expert in that field. And really, uh, it is, it's a massive difference maker. We are in the hardest place ever to recruit, yet we have a massive pool of, of ECTs. And we got, you know, we had 26 people for TA advert today, you know, a specialized TA advert, 26 people that were all qualified for it. That comes from like just, um, you know, it's like Lamov quoting it, like sweating the small stuff, you know, just, uh, but all this wisdom, it doesn't belong to me, it belongs to Jeremy Meek. And, D Hughes and Zoe Griffiths and all the heads I'm very fortunate to work with Danny King and um, 
Mike Cotton, I think I'll name them really quickly. I feel like I'm doing an exception. I do need to name them because I spoke to them all. Uh, we've got Mike Cotton, Ed Gittins, another one. Um, yeah, all these guys have been have been been sort of brilliant in like Shane expertise over time with me and and, um, and 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 chipping in before I did this. So I made like three pages of notes in the book, so I didn't get anything wrong. I hope it's been useful. I hope it's been a decent like I've, I've made a decent stab at being helpful. Yeah, no, that's um, amazing, and I think it would be you know awesome to talk to. The people that you're you know lucky enough to work with so i think yeah let's make that happen during the summer i think all yeah, that definitely. to say thank you thank you very much for joining me matt yeah, man. it's good to see you again dude yeah right cheers everyone uh i don't put this on youtube i'm i'm the same color as my background so i've just been to uh went to my daughter's sports day and my daughter and son's sports they have two children but they did like two hours at two hours each right one was nine to eleven the next one was one till three I've been in the sun all day, Kieran. I look like the same colour as my background. Do not put this on YouTube, dude. I'll make I'll make it black and white. I'll I'll, I'll take down the yes, saturation yes, for you. I yeah. promise. And I'll make sure you I, see you know, it. Sometimes you sometimes like yeah, with with these sort of backgrounds, you sort of if you move back a bit, you go you you get lost behind them. I've looked like the whole interview. <laughs> and that, I'm not actually close behind it. I'm a bit freaked out by how I look in this. Anyway, thank you for such your time. I hope that, yeah, I hope anyone listening to this is useful. Um and yeah, if you're interested in mastery still, come and see us because we're gonna do some more open days and that actually and the master thoughts come out, they're really, really, really good. So uh not, yeah, we're excited, we're quite proud of that stuff. Uh, they just came out the other day, didn't they? So we're super chuffed with how that's gone. Um, not because we're really good as in, you know, like the, the data matters, but I guess the catch-up matter to us. Like, would it would it work? And I think uh, yeah. That's, that's an old podcast. I'm now talking about recruitment. <laughs> right, cheers, yeah. Top three podcast, that one. Yeah, well, it wasn't there, was it? It was fourth. It was fourth. Oh, the next day, it was a number three. Oh, can we, can, we, can we start this podcast clip? Just put a clip on Matt's podcast, top three. Who did knock out? He said knock Neil out. Uh, no, it was the reading fluency one went down into four. Oh, so um, I took one of Switch Mice out. Uh, I'll, I'll double check a, which one it is. Yeah, oh, and this is a great moment for me. Keep he's, he's got enough in there. Third place. <laughs> uh, yeah, was, you have so many great guests. I'm super, uh, yeah, it's real. It is an honour to be on it. And I know, you know, we, we chat a lot, but... Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's good to come on and talk again and hopefully it's been useful. Cheers, mate. Always a pleasure. And to everyone at home, until next time, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.